Welcome back, dragons, to episode 90. Episode 90 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. We are quickly approaching episode 100. Today, my special guest is author, screenwriter, Adam Kornman. Uh, he specializes in the LA 48-hour uh, film challenge. Really awesome stuff. I'm going to include links to all of his uh, submissions in the show notes, so everyone be sure to check that out. I hope everybody is having a great new year and you are all sticking with those resolutions. I hope everyone is looking forward to this conversation with Adam, and we will check it out in one second. Workout nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind, in my mind. Just for kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. Adam, good morning, my friend. How are you? Doing good, Ken. Glad to be here. Excellent. I am glad to have you here. We met a long, long, long time ago, right? It was 2016 LA Comic Con? Not LA Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, good old SDCC. <laughs> Where the fact that two people can meet and remember each other is beyond insane because of the hundreds of thousands of people that descend upon San Diego. Wait, you're telling me you don't remember every single person dressed as Naruto you met that year? <laughs> no. No, Only I don't. comply with dress as Naruto. Unfortunately, I don't cosplay. I just don't have the time to make something that would look good. Uh, I'm with you on that, and most of my cosplay is very low-key. I'm actually working on something a little bit more intense right now, um, but it's going to be taking me a, quite a long time. I've always wanted to do cosplay. It's just I, I don't want to half-ass it. My, uh, my buddy just got me for... for Chrismica, our, our fun mashup of Christmas and Hanukkah, <laughs> he got me a custom-made Nerf gun that's designed to look like a Destiny weapon, you know, from the, the oh, Bungie yeah. game Destiny, and now we're kind of joking around, well, what if we went and made some costumes to go along with it, and then when we go to a convention, we'll be a Destiny squad, and it's a great idea until we start thinking about, how the hell are we supposed to make a damn Destiny costume? Yeah, and... I hate to be a buzzkill, but there's a lot more weapons restrictions happening on cosplay weapons. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it makes sense to do so. Oh, yeah. But the fact that it shoots actual projectiles might be an issue. Although yeah, the they, fact... uh, they usually have some sort of like plug you have to put in or I have to mark it so that they know it can't be used. There's ways around it. Yeah. Although, the fact that you have a custom Nerf gun is just really cool in and of itself. Well, there, I, I mean, it's just super fun. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to do, but again, it's, it's that time sink. You have to be able to devote a couple hours of taking the thing apart, painting it, repainting it, adding the details, and then know how to put it back together. My buddy's very mechanically minded, so he's, uh, he's able to figure it out. That's pretty cool. Now, would, would something Destiny with these Nerf guns be like your ultimate cosplay? Like, is this, like, like the peak of your cosplay experiences if you manage to pull that off? If I managed to pull that off, not only would it be my... Well, technically, I was able to be uh, Hitman Codename 47. You know, as a bald man, sometimes you have to just <laughs> lean into it. But, but that's sort of an easy cosplay. Suit, white shirt, red tie, you're done. Uh, have a friend draw a barcode on the back of your head. This would probably be the peak cosplay I've ever done. And also, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, my character in... Uh, in Destiny is a warlock, so you know, very badass. A lot of the big robes, the cool helmets, 
uh, spiky gloves. It's it's just something that I mean it'd be really fun to try out. At the same time, I know just looking at you know uh, Pinterest boards, how people are putting these things together, it would be a nightmare just logistically to get this thing together. Oh, for sure. I I've always wanted the the peak of my cosplay experience would be a mashup of a stormtrooper and Kesha. I really want to be a Kesha stormtrooper. I'm listening. I'm liking. Yeah, like Kesha the singer. Like, it would essentially be a stormtrooper with, like, cut-off denim, booty shorts, like, some sort of glittery cat top over the armor, and then, like, a glitter star over one eye, and then just glitter everywhere. I I mean, this sounds kind of amazing. Uh, it does. It really does. And I think it would be the pinnacle of my, uh, my cosplay existence. And then after that moment, I would have to be like, you know what? No more cosplay. I'm done. Retiring. That's a drop the mic moment. You go out on top after that. Dude, right? Although my only issue is (laughs) I am not artistically minded. Like it's just, it's, I have other strengths. I realize that building a stormtrooper costume would be next to impossible, so it'd be one of those where I would want to just drop like the three or four hundred dollars on like the stage quality costume that they that you can get online. Oh huh. yeah, well we, we were at uh, Disney a couple months back, and they've got the huge Star Wars setup. Um, I think it's over where the Hall of Presidents is, and it's amazing. It's all the movie props, the hero props from. The prequels, the original trilogy, and now the new trilogy that they've been bringing out, plus a lot of stuff from the Clone Wars and everything else, the the maquettes that they were using to design the 3D models, and it's gorgeous, but they also have a Stormtrooper costume for purchase that is a hero-level Stormtrooper costume, and it's cheap as free at $8,000, so (laughs) I'm looking at this thing, and my buddy's like, hey man, talk me out of buying it, and I'm like, it's $8,000. Like that's not enough. Talk me out of buying it. I'm like, dude, it's eight thousand dollars. Do you have eight thousand dollars to burn right now? Because I want your life. Right? I would be like, um, here's what I'm gonna do. I will take half that money and I will find you another costume that is just as nice. And then I get to but, keep the other four. Yeah, if you need me to keep you out of this bad buying decision, just give me the eight thousand dollars. I got stuff to do with it. Dude. Um Okay, that reminds me of a quick story. You said you were in Henderson um, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one time I was in Vegas for the NBA All-Star Game. Oh, nice. And I'm walking past a blackjack table, and Kevin Garnett is dropping. He's playing two hands of blackjack, $10,000 a hand. Oh, so chump change. Yeah, yeah, right? Chump change. And he's losing and I just want to be like, hey, can you bet half what you're betting? Give me the other half, and I will do more with it. Like, my student loans are calling, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, oof, must be nice. Oh, man, those are problems that I'd like to have. Right? Man, like, I got too much money, and I can't gamble it away fast enough. <laughs> Oh, God, it's so true. It's so true. 
Um, okay, but we're not here to talk about Kevin Garnett, and we're not here to talk about cosplay. We're here to talk about you. Um, and I do think people just got a kind of a good idea about who you are. But <laughs> um, for current event-wise, what have you been doing uh, workout nerd out the past week. Give us some of your nerdy things that you've been up to, uh, and then we'll jump into some of the fitness stuff. All right. Well, uh, basically, this past month has been devoted to uh, book two of the series that I've been writing. So, uh, I, uh, a couple years back, I got hooked up uh, with a publishing company, uh, California Cold Blood Books. They are a, an imprint of Rare Bird Books, which is a, a SoCal indie publisher. And they've started putting out my sci-fi series. So uh, the Grey Wars Saga been out since 2015. And just last month, we launched When the Skies Fall, book two in the series. And this past month has been the, the signing, a uh, few, few interviews, and we're starting to get into our book tour proper. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, where's the book tour taking you? So far, it's been San Diego and Los Angeles, uh, just some of the local bookstores, Mysterious Galaxy. Uh, uh, we're, we're trying to get into a few of the comic book stores up in L.A. now, so Blast Off Comics, um, possibly in Meltdown. It's, I, I leave all that stuff up to uh, my, my fantastic publisher, uh, Robert Peterson. He's, he's the god at you know booking these gigs. He's great with people. Oh, I, I usually just stumble and fall when I try to book things. Um, but otherwise I've been, uh, submitting myself to a bunch of podcasts to see if anybody's interested in reviews and stuff like that. Um, and working on book three because I'm supposed to get that out to him this year too. Oh God, dude, good luck. Get after it, man. Um, and, and give me, uh, just so everyone out there who's in the LA, California area, um, Let's let's get a link out to your schedule on the show notes if if the book tour is out there, and then uh, I'll come out and support if there's one in one in the area I can make work, man. Oh hell yeah! Uh, once we've got things locked down, we're we're trying to get into some of the local conventions. So I think Wizard World, WonderCon, uh, we'll we'll try and get a booth or two set up because the we've got a few authors who've got books coming out uh, that are all you know geeky sci-fi. Summer YA, uh, it's it's a pretty good imprint to be with. Awesome, that's excellent. And and you mentioned Blast Off Comics. I love Blast Off Comics. Uh, one of the first friends I made when I moved to LA uh, was Harley, and she worked over there. Uh, she uh, unfortunately left Blast Off a few months ago. Yeah, um, which was a bummer because I loved Harley. Harley was good people. So fun fun story about Blast Off Comics. So. Um... The owners, Judd and Scott, I actually am very good friends with uh, Scott Tipton. He's this phenomenal comic book writer. Uh, he's been writing for years and years. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote uh, this amazing mashup, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation meets Doctor Who. It was, it was insane. And he's the king of writing Star Trek uh, TNG stuff. So I, I met up with him years back, and... Then he said, hey, look, I've got this thing, Comics 101, Blast Off Comics. We do vintage comics. It's phenomenal. We are opening up a new location, and I need, I need help. I don't have anybody who can just be there putting stuff, bagging boards, uh, putting things together, moving boxes. So me and my buddy for a week worked for Scott and Judd just getting this thing set up, and we were there for lunch. Oh, that's awesome. And I love that place. It's if you've never been, it's in NoHo. It's one of the coolest comic book stores I've ever been in. It looks like you're going into an art gallery. And the, I mean, the best part, if you ever talk to Judd, uh, Judd Myers is the 
owner and operator, he's been doing comic book stores his whole freaking life, and he knows everything. You can point to any comic book from any era, and he will tell you everything about it. Beginning, middle, end. He'll, he'll skip some of the spoilery stuff because he wants you to read it. He's an amazing salesman. And uh, it's just really fun to go in there. Now, Harley was great. I, I enjoyed just the energy that she brought to the environment, too. But they're great about just hiring good people. Oh, yeah. They actually had I, uh, they had a Stan Lee autographed copy of Amazing Fantasy 15, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first appearance of Spider-Man uh, for everyone out there who doesn't know it. And it was only like 18 grand. I know. It's, that's one of those things where you're like, do I really need to save up for like a home or you know, paying off my student loans or you know that kid I want to have one day? They don't need to go to college. I just <laughs> want this. Well, no, I looked at it and I was like, okay, here's the thing. I need a new car. It's about the price of a new car. But a car will depreciate in value. This comic should appreciate in value i think i should do it so really it's the fiscally responsible thing to do to drop the 18 grand on this comic book yeah but then i could totally see myself um you know going the nicholas cage route where i buy a bunch of superman comics and castles and then uh (laughs) (laughs) and then one day you're buying the skull of a tyrannosaurus now the natural history museum is pissed off at you You have to steal the Declaration of Independence. His life is rough. Oh, oh, one of my friends, his dad uh, works as a museum curator. And this company accidentally sent sent him two full-sized pterodactyl skeletons. (laughs) And now he's trying to give one away. And I'm like... I can fit a 40-foot pterodactyl skeleton somewhere. I'll make room. I'll knock down walls. Don't worry about it. Oh, God. Oh, such a nerd. Such a I'm nerd. To, how, how do you accidentally send a pterodactyl skeleton, let alone two? No. So he ordered one. They said it would get there by a certain date. Um, then they weren't going to be able to make it. So then he had to order a different one from a different company. And then now he has two. And, yeah, I don't know. Man, Amazon is really branching out. (laughs) Oh, it's funny because it's true. (laughs) Now, um, a little bit, God, what have I been doing that's a little bit nerdy? Um, I'm getting super psyched for uh, Black Panther. Yes. Oh, my God. Looks so good. I'm a little upset because I don't have, I... This is one of the first Marvel movies that I'm not going to see opening night at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Oh. Um, Unfortunately, I bought tickets to a wrestling event. Um, Ain't nothing wrong with that. Dude, truth. Um, And I can't talk about it on the podcast just yet because the person I'm taking, it's a surprise and she doesn't know about it yet. Um she knows it's a wrestling event, but she doesn't know exactly what. So I'm trying to to mums the word on that one. Oh yeah, I can understand. But I'm trying to think if there's anything else nerdy that I'm doing right now. Um, one of my New Year's resolution is to read 50 graphic novels this year. That's a good goal. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know I'm really looking forward to it. I'm I'm two and a half way there. 
So, <laughs> so you gotta pick up the pace a little bit, but you'll get there. It's one a week. It's the third week. Yeah, you know. I like to give myself a cushion. Whenever I do a goal, like word count, or I need to do X number of this, X number of that, I try to get a little bit ahead because I know there's going to be that week where I'm like, eh, I'd rather, I want to just sit in front of the TV and like shoot zombies for like eight oh, hours today. Dude, you have no idea. Um, but I'm in a comic book club. And so. Ah, oh, well, that'll keep you honest at least. Yeah, every other week we read a graphic novel. So that's going to get me 26. Do you then sit around, have some tea and crumpets, and discuss it? Uh, if by tea and crumpets you mean pizza and beer, yes. Oh my God, this sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. It's called, uh, we're called the Reading Rainbows. And <laughs> I we, love that. Yeah, we meet at the Perky Nerd every other Wednesday. It's a comic book shop in Burbank, and it's we meet at seven o'clock, and it's a lot of fun. And it's like I get to bring my dog, and we just sit around drinking good beer, having pizza, talking about comic books. And sometimes, if the if the comic book is good enough, we'll end up. It'll lead to other conversations about life and, you know, the things that philosophers back in ancient Greece were talking about. Like, what does it mean to be human? I think, I think a good comic book, uh, really a good nerdy story can really take you down the rabbit hole on, on philosophy. There's, there's a lot to dissect if you have just good, solid writing about inhuman or superhuman things. Oh, yeah. Well, and then... There's this new comic book that came out uh, last November. It's called Black. And I'm going to mispronounce the author's name, but it's like Kwanzaa Ojafor. And it is, it's kind of a response to what is going on in African-American communities these days, where the protagonist um, gets shot. And real doesn't die. He realizes he has superpowers, but he realizes that there are other superpowered people, but they are all African Americans. Oh. Um, and so it's just very much shows. Oh, it's so good. I, I highly encourage everyone else to read it. Uh, it's phenomenal. That and, sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, what have you been doing uh, uh, workout-wise, man? We were talking a little bit uh, before the podcast about you. You got some new goals for 2018. Well, I mean, I, I, every year, every New Year's, everyone gets the bug. And it's like, oh, man, this is going to be the year where I'm getting in shape. Well, I had been – like for, for, for those of you guys who don't know everything about my life, um, I was in the military for 11 and a half years. And uh, during that time, everybody – you know, you're working out constantly – just because there's no other choice. You, you have to be in good shape, and you have that mental idea of, well, i got to be in good shape. The second you get out of the military and, you, and that, uh, that routine kind of goes away, your body just – it jellifies. And some people are able to keep the routine up. I just balked. And I went through kind of a just a low point this last year where I had work stress. I had life stress. And my, my go-to to get through all that uh, was like just junk food. And unfortunately, without the routine of working out, that junk food piled on. Uh, so coming into uh, Thanksgiving, I was probably worst shape of my life. 
Now, Thanksgiving at the Cornman household involves a turkey trot, you know, a 10K morning of so that you can really earn the binge that's about to happen. <laughs> My brother's been a marathon runner, Ironman runner, uh, Tough Mudder, everything. He's He's been in shape for the last 15 years. Dude's got three kids, so I have no excuses. And he said, look, you've got to take stock. Like, going into this next year, do you want to continue down the path you've been or do you want to focus on rebuilding? Like, consider everything you're at, you can rebuild. And so I, I tried out the keto diet, and that, that helped in the short term. Now I'm just kind of transitioning into a paleo thing. Uh, I've been working out, uh, just trying to build that routine again, trying to get back into the PT every day, the, the physical training every day, get that army mindset about how I'm going to attack this. And it's helped. I mean, in the past month and a half, I've dropped 15 pounds. Um, I'm starting to hit the weights again, and it feels good. I mean, it's there is no feeling uh, that I can describe a bigger wall to overcome than literally just getting from my chair into my workout gear. That's the hardest thing for me. But once I've got into the gear, then I can get in and I can get my workout. So just getting over that mental hurdle of I've got to put on the uniform that is going to be my fitness training. Um, and that's my 2018 goal is I want to get my routine back and use that to rebuild you know, the, the body and the mindset that I want to have. That's awesome, dude. That's, uh, I admire that commitment. And it actually, what you were saying reminds me kind of uh, my own uh, wake-up call. It was, it was, I've talked about this briefly. Last May, I found out I was getting a, a divorce and like towards the, towards the end there, I realized I was probably in close to the worst shape of my life. Um, when I was at my fittest, I was usually around 150, 155 and I was tipping the scales probably like 180, 185. Oof. Yeah. Been um, there, been there. And okay. It wasn't all. It wasn't all, like, bad fat. I mean, it's, I still had probably more muscle mass then than I do now. Uh, but it just didn't look as as good. Uh, so I, you know, um, going back to my, my love of WWE, I kind of committed myself to the mantra of redesign, rebuild, reclaim. Um, which is by Seth Rollins when mm -hmm. he when he was trying to recover from a knee injury. And so I just decided I was going to redesign my life. I was going to rebuild my body and I was going to reclaim who I was um, because before I uh, before I got married, uh, health and fitness was always just like one of one of my top priorities. Um, and it was always, it was always up there as the things that I needed to do. And so I ended up, um, I quit drinking for a long time. I, and I dropped probably like 30 pounds in the first. Oh, wow. Three or four months. Um, and then, and now since the holidays have hit, it's been, it's been a little slow moving, but I, I'm excited because tomorrow is the Pasadena half marathon that I've been training for. Um, and then speaking of tough mutters, I think me, you said it was your brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. Me and your brother would get along because I am a huge, huge tough mutter addict. Um, and I've got 
the Los Angeles Toughest Mudder, which is an eight-hour overnight race. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it's a five-mile course <laughs> that you just run on a loop for eight hours. So how, um, how far do you go in eight hours? Or is it just as many as you can? As many as you can. As many laps as you can. I'm I'm hoping for somewhere between 25 and 35 miles. That's intense. Yeah, I've never done anything like that ever. And the whole thing, you still got all the obstacles that you would go through in a normal Tough Mudder, right? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I, I am terrified of that, but I also have wanted to do a Tough Mudder. I, ever since my brother did his first one, I'm kind of a sucker for punishment, too. And it sounds like the sort of thing that I would love. Dude, I... Okay, so I told you I'm addicted to Tough Mudders. I am aiming to do between 20 and 30 different events this year. Tough Mudders. Solely Tough Mudders. Um, not Spartans, not other obstacle courses. So if there is one that you want to commit the time to do, I will absolutely be there with you every step of the way. Um, all I need is an excuse to do one and I do one. Um, so if you want to do like Southern California in October, if you want to do, uh, Vegas, I think Vegas is on October, um, LA is a little soon, but, and I'm also probably not going to be running the regular Tough Mudder just because I'm doing the eight hour one. <laughs> but yeah, you don't need to you know, like show off and do all of them. Jeez. <laughs> no, dude, there are worse things to be addicted to. That's very true. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've joked. Um, I was like, well, you know, it was uh, Tough Mudders or cocaine. Yes, you could be doing meth. I mean, look, let's be honest. Right, right. But, you know, I chose I chose a different path. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm super excited for you. If there's any, if there's any help um, I can be to help you achieve those goals, even if it's a, like, we're both in L.A., even if it's a, hey, I've been slacking this week. Do you want to go for a hike on Saturday? Um, like, I will freaking throw on the camel pack, grab the dog, and we will hike whatever you want. I like this plan. And uh, you know what? I am going to take you up on that. I, I will, if I can make October, I'll shoot you an email and uh, we'll commit to this. Dude, I dig it. I dig it. Um, and I'll hold you to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, you're listening in, audience. This is the first bad decision of the day. <laughs> no, this is what a great decision. decision. The great decision. Um, what I've always told people is you don't train and then sign up for a Tough Mudder. You sign up and that's what gets you to train. Because it's 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 a mental block. Whatever is preventing you from actually running a Tough Mudder is still preventing you from signing up for one. So once you sign up, it becomes real. And that's what gets people to train. You know, that's, I, I think that's super true. When, um, years and years ago, back when I was still in college, my brother and I ran the Las Vegas Marathon. And it's, to this day, it's the best shape I was ever in, the you know, marathon shape. And I did not train to run it until I put the 100 bucks down to reserve my spot that I was going to run the marathon. And at that point, it became real. I had money on the table. I had to commit to it. And honestly, it was, like, it, it was hell to go through, but... Also, one of the best experiences, just the Las Vegas Marathon, if you ever like do marathons, is gorgeous. You're running through the strip. There's uh, a live band every mile. Uh, high schools come out and perform. 
and it's really just gorgeous area. It's all in December, so you're running in the desert in the winter, which is its own hell. But at the end of it, you're in Las Vegas, so there's no problems. <laughs> that is very true. It's one of my favorite places. With my least amount of memories, because for some reason I never remember trips to Las Vegas. I don't know why. <laughs> I know, I know. I I tend to uh, like suppress those memories because I don't want to... I, I just get home and I'm like, where did all my money go? I must have donated it to a charity. <laughs> right? The the MGM charity. <laughs> yeah, that's a charity. I'm sure that they're doing good works with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As they just told everybody in Vegas that they're going to start charging for parking. Okay, I'm done. Rant over. <laughs> Let's talk about what you got going on. We talked a little bit about your books. Um, you are also a screenwriter, um, and I just took a look at, I think it was five of your short films, and they are awesome. How did you get started? So I've been, I've been doing some screenwriting for a while now. I've got a, a, a couple teleplays, a couple screenplays that have been you know popped around. Everybody in Los Angeles has a screenplay. That's just a given, but... <laughs> If you hustle at it and you work hard, you can actually get some people looking at them. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't mean you get made. That doesn't mean anything gets bought. But you just keep pushing. So uh, uh, about three, three, four years ago, my good friend Sherry moved from Washington, D.C. Uh, to L.A. to continue her acting career. She was a, a big, big actress in Washington, and then she moved to L.A. to you know pick up where, where the stardom is really made. Since she got here... Literally a month after she unpacked her boxes, she uh, signed us up for this contest called the Los Angeles 48-Hour Film Project. And basically, it's if you've never done one before, on Friday night at 7.30, you're given a genre of film. You're given a prompt. So uh, it's going to be a, a, a Valentine's Day film or it's going to be a, a horror or it's going to be a musical. You're given a line of dialogue that has to be in, a character that has to be in it, and a prop. And then after that, you've got 48 hours to write, shoot, edit, and master this thing. Um, and it's got to be turned in, and it's got to be under seven minutes. So that's, that's the criteria. Everything else is just creativity. And our first year, our very first project, we swept. Uh, that's Crash and Burn. It's a superhero, uh, kind of sacker and sweet New Year's Eve film. And, yeah, we, we killed it. We got this writing, this film, this actress, this actor. It was fantastic. And we have, we've been very successful in the project since then. So uh, we've just finished our fifth film, which was Death on Arrival. Basically, uh, our, our friend had read some comedy thing, like, what if Amazon just came to your house and killed you? And we went down the rabbit hole with that idea until we came up with uh, Death on Arrival. And it's, it's a dark comedy. Uh, a guy is trying to order his own death, and it just... It goes places, and we're we have a lot of fun doing it. It's intense, you know. Forty eight hours, you're really not sleeping, but it's also a great way to make good contacts. Uh, since then, we've got uh, uh, Sherry has gotten into a web series, Buffy Kills Edward, which is what if Buffy the Vampire Slayer hunted Edward from Twilight? <gasps> that sounds absolutely incredible, and I'm gonna also ask for the links to that, so I can Oh, absolutely. It. So that that started as a fringe play. Have you, have you heard of the Hollywood Fringe Fest? Yes. So, it started as a fringe play, and it was a musical, and it was 
phenomenal. Um, I, I, I want to say the the writer director was Laura Wiley. She's an an incredible uh, uh, playwright, and it was so good that they were able to get their some funding to do it as a web series. So now they've started filming, and you know we're really excited to see where she goes with that. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, a new short film that's not related to the Forty Eight. Uh, we've been tossing around a couple of script ideas. So that's what 2018 is for our, our little production company, Go Go Guppy Productions. Um, and, and Sherry's our, our executive producer for that. Um, and my my writing partner uh, and I are working on a couple projects that hopefully this year will uh, get picked up. We've got a couple irons in the fire with a few of the uh, uh, digital distribution networks. Can't say much more than that until... <laughs> ink is ink is on paper of course but fingers crossed things develop from where we've submitted uh it's an interesting time they, uh, right now as a screenwriter there are 400 and i want to say 478 scripted television shows across all the networks from you know original networks to cable networks to digital streaming services it's a great time to be a writer you just have to be willing to grind it out and really get involved with you know this this new media Oh yeah, absolutely, and I've I I'm not involved in the industry. Um, my my extent of entertainment is uh, absorbing it, and but there's there's so much amazing content happening across network TV, cable TV, premium cable, Netflix, Hulu, you know, Crackle. It's it's it is a great time to be involved in media because whatever you're doing, there is an audience for it and there's a, an avenue to get it out there. Absolutely. And, and this is a we're really in a glut of phenomenal television right now. There's so much out there. And the real reason is the film industry has trended into the big tent poles. Uh, you're not seeing as many independent films coming out of the major producers. Everything is done either Kickstartered or, or, or self-financed. So most major movie studios, you know, Universal, Sony, they're just putting out the tent poles. They're putting out the big blockbusters, $150 million hits, which is a big swing for the fences. Either it makes it or it doesn't. That's where you get, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe which is basically all movies and then you've got the, the uh, uh, dc which has been kind of <laughs> struggling to catch up as the bubble's closing um, I, I don't want to crap on dc i know that they're trying to do something different they they could have very easily carbon copied marvel's design make it very colorful make it very funny uh, uh they had if you can't have joss whedon they could have brought in who knows aaron sorkin could have written some of these things and it would have worked and it would have been great, but it would have felt like a copy. They decided they wanted to go and do something different, and they took a risk. And unfortunately, when you risk $200 million, sometimes you lose. Uh, and luckily, these companies are rich enough that they're going to be able to lose forward until they reboot the whole thing with Flashpoint. Well, but then you, you look at television, and television, you can take those risks. You can make a, a Breaking Bad, which is – an insane concept for a television show and you can blow it out of the water uh you can jump on amazon and do the man in high castle for crying out loud and and really just explore what happens if the nazis won world war ii i mean it's it's a great time to be a a television writer who has a weird idea 
And I think that one of the biggest things, and you pointed it out, it's not just that there's a lot of good television. There's too much good television. It's actually gotten to the point where, yeah, you could literally turn on almost any show, and it's good enough. It would be great 10 years ago, but now it doesn't stand out from the crowd because it's just good. And I think that's a, that's a fun problem to have, but it's also hard to keep something on the air if it's not Game of Thrones-level epic. I, I agree with you. I also have found that there's, with everything that's happening in life today, I'm less likely to absorb media that is serious. Oh, yeah. Who wants to be brought down right now? It's like the real world is awful. So let's find something that's escapist. I think that's where shows like, um, oh, oh, uh, sci-fi is the magicians. My, this is, oh, I love the, I I love the books. It's sort of my guilty pleasure. It's, it's a silly, silly show, but it's also, it's pretty well written. It's, it carries itself forward. And even though like, like any show, it has kind of its, its hills and valleys, when it hits home something epic, it does it in a very unique way. I've got a friend who's a, a screenwriter on the show, and I, it's just kind of fun hearing the behind-the-scenes stuff. But it's a show like that based on a, a well-known but not really well-known series of books. I mean, un- unless you'd ever read The Magicians, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see how that sort of stuff is starting to find a home because there's just so much out there. There's so many distribution uh, networks. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. It's it's it. I actually need to start watching them again. Here we're having this conversation. Yeah, Magicians is on my queue um, right now. Literally, I watch WWE, the 2017 reboot of Ducktales. Oh my god, yes. It's so good. It is beyond it is beyond amazing and Webby is like my choice for feminist icon 2018. Uh she's incredible. Absolutely. Oh, I I will watch anything that has David Tennant in it or Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with Lin-Manuel. Uh Lin-Manuel is <laughs> uh who was it? I, I want to say it was Oh, it was Brian K. Vaughn, who is currently writing a million comic books, but Saga. Mm-hmm. And Saga has been one of the best comics that's been out in the last two or three years, uh, if not the best. It's absolutely incredible. And he has said that he he's never going to option it for TV. He's never going to option it for a movie because his story can only be told in a comic book form. And then he said, unless... Lin Manuel Miranda wants to make a musical out of it, <laughs> and I just first of all, if you've ever read Saga, um, that as a musical would blow my mind. Um, but if anyone could do it, it would be Lin Manuel. There's something I don't know how how he manages to pull it off, but he can just do no wrong in my book. Uh, everything he writes is so. It's so tight. And actually, if, if you've ever listened to some of the soundtracks he puts out, he always puts out scratch tracks on it. And I think that's the most interesting to see from his perspective. This is the stuff he couldn't figure out how to work. And it's still light years better than anything I could come up with. So just seeing that genius at work, seeing his full process, it's fascinating to me. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, and I love that just Hamilton, like, kind of brought him. I think no matter what he did, he was eventually going to break through. Uh, the fact that it was Hamilton, I think, um, speaks speaks uh, mountains about his talent and his a lot of heart. Like, I think there's a lot of heart in Hamilton. And I think that he generally just wants to entertain and educate people in fun and new and interesting ways. Especially with, like, all the work he's done for Puerto Rico. Um, oh, my God, yes. He, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's I, I don't want to turn this into a Lin-Manuel gush fest. It but, could easily be. I can talk about him for hours. Uh, but I, I understand that's not really the point of Dumbbells and Dragons. Um, well, there was. I was actually a little a little uh, upset because um, I was out of town uh, during the Grammys last year. And apparently he was at a karaoke bar in L.A. just like doing karaoke. And I was upset because there's a small chance that I would have been at the same bar as Lin-Manuel Miranda. And then my friends were like you don't karaoke. And I was like, so? Some random happenstance, I could have run into him. But you know what? I would learn how to uh, sing better just it, to be in the same room. But Where it happened? <laughs> just to be in the room where it happened. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, but, and I, I don't want to go off on too big a tangent, but just the whole the story of Hamilton, how that play got developed where – you know, he, he picks up this book at an airport and he's reading it on vacation from In the Heights, which you're right. A guy like him is not going to go unnoticed. He'd been in the industry. He'd been around kind of climbing the rungs slowly. But then he just he gets inspired. He gets invited to a poetry slam at the White House. And all of a sudden this thing goes viral. It goes just, you know, uh, goes like hotcakes everywhere. And all of a sudden he writes the best play that anyone had ever seen. It crossing borders it's not just for music nerds it's not just for for hip-hop nerds it's for everybody and it's also sort of kind of historically accurate so yeah i think there's a lot of stuff all right so just to make sure that this is uh not completely gush worthy i do have a hamilton criticism oh boy here it comes so they just released uh earlier this week a new block of tickets for Hamilton on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I got some, or I was about to get some. I had, I had, I had selected four tickets at the $285 ticket level, which mm -hmm. is nosebleed um, for Hamilton, but Hamilton on Broadway, totally worth it. And I go to purchase them. The handling fees were a hundred and twenty dollars. Oh my god! Per ticket, per, per ticket. Oh. So in my mind, I'm like, what sort of fee is forty percent of the ticket price? So it's like my two hundred and eighty dollar ticket became a four hundred dollar ticket, and if I wanted a four hundred dollar ticket, I would have just paid that and seen it here in L.A. I was just, I was, I mean, oof. I was, on the one hand, it's like, hey, it's Broadway. I mean, there is there is some sort of pageantry of, of seeing it there, but, oh, wow, that is... But, just, okay. Jeez. But, 
But like, like, if you're gonna want a four hundred dollar ticket, then make the price three fifty and charge me twenty five dollars in fees. You know, and I, I feel like, yeah, well, that is a valid criticism. I feel like that's more on the Ticketmaster or whomever uh, system that they've generated to you know, put out this stuff. I hated the, the ticket buying thing when it came to L.A. Uh, just because it, it felt so much like a you know, catch-as-catch-can kind of a thing. There was no real order to it, and the site kept crashing. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's less on Lin-Manuel and more on just they don't know how to run things in 2018. Yeah, I'm... I am excited because I am taking a trip out to Arizona and I'm seeing it, the Arizona touring company, um, when it tours to Arizona after it leaves San Diego. So I will be seeing Hamilton in two weeks from today. Fantastic. You're going to love it. That's, again, we're kind of drifting off topic of dumbbells and, and dragons, but my guys, 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 Dude. you got to get some musical theater in your life. And hey. if you're going to start anywhere, freaking Hamilton. We're okay. First of all, this totally is the dragons part because we're totally just nerding out about stuff that we can nerd out about, and musicals <laughs> I think can fit in there. But um, let's let's bring it back to you. <laughs> um, well, my musical, which is <laughs> it's basically um, it's basically the last Starfighter, but I've changed a couple things so I don't get sued. <laughs> Good call. No, do, I, I apologize. We don't know each other very well. Are you actually working on a musical that's very similar to The Last Starfighter, or are you making a joke? Just making a joke. I would okay. love to work on anything in or around or related to The Last Starfighter. That is my that is my mountain to die on. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know if this is something I, I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I love I loved thinking of something and then going on the internet and seeing how long I can continue to learn about it, because it's usually a great waste of my time, but every now and then you get these great nuggets. So... Uh, Last Starfighter, I think it's one of my favorite films ever. I, I watched it a thousand times growing up, wore out the VHS. Uh, as soon as I could own it on DVD and then Blu-ray and now digital, I just, I've owned like 50 copies of this damn thing. So I wanted to, to write a sequel because, you know, I was a young, dumb writer and I'm like, oh, you can just do that. And there are no th such things as rights uh, or <laughs> copyrights or anything like that. You can just write sequels to things. So I start working on this and then I'm like, you know, I think I might be in a legal uh, uh, juxtaposition here. I'm going to have to do some research. And it turns out the guy who owns the rights to The Last Starfighter, the writer of, of the original version, he has held onto the rights through everybody throwing brink trucks full of money at him. Steven Spielberg backed up millions of dollars and said, look, dude, I'm ready to reboot this into you know 2015. We're going to make it. It's going to be great. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm pretty happy with uh, the way it came out, and uh, I don't want to see it touched ever again. So there's been this campaign with all of these famous Hollywood actors and producers and directors trying to get the rights to this thing, and, and no one can touch it. So Seth Rogen was one of the most recent ones. He came up with this great pitch, and he went there and got flatly rejected. And what he did is he flipped his pitch a little bit, and now that's Future Man. Oh. That's cool. So, I mean, this this crazy, somewhat unknown uh, sci-fi movie, I mean, it's I, I consider it a huge hit, but apparently it's only a cult status. This movie has inspired uh, thousands of, of sci-fi nerds to get out there and make their own thing. I mean, there's, it's definitely been a huge influence on me and my sci-fi series, just that concept of, you know, the fish out of water with the big epic galactic war, everything about it. Like, you can see elements of it in 
uh, in Star Wars, or at least in the later Star Wars, you could see it in um, Starship Troopers. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that just keeps going with these kind of movies. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right, I've, I've kept you for about an hour, and I told you uh, we were going to wrap up between 10 and 10.15, so I am a man of my word. Um, do you have any advice for anybody out there whether it's fitness related or uh, they want to get into screenwriting. Absolutely. So guys, uh, if you're looking to get into writing, if you're looking to get started as a professional writer, uh, the best advice that I ever got, I received from my, my friend Scott when I first got to LA. Uh, I just met him um, at, I met Scott at San Diego Comic-Con actually. Is I, I was hunting through different trade paperbacks and all of a sudden I see, oh my God, it's Dark Horse. That's where they publish the Angel Comics. I got to go talk to everybody over there. I met Brian Lynch. I met Scott. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then uh, a month or so later, I met him again. And I was talking to him. And he's like, oh, so what are you doing? I'm like, oh, well, I'm a writer. And he goes, that's fantastic. What have you written? And I go, oh, well, I've got some stuff that I wrote in college. And he goes, no, 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 no. What have you written since? I'm like, oh, well, I've got these screenplays I'm working on. And he's like, okay, okay. If you want to call yourself a writer, that's fine. But if you want to be a writer you have to finish because that's the difference between people who say they're a writer and people who are writers. Writers finish. And that's the best advice that I've ever gotten on writing. Uh, now, the other part is you have to start. At I think James Gunn's been going off on this huge kick, giving out free advice for everybody. And his thing is you have to start. Every day is a new challenge. Every day you have to wake up and start writing. So package those two things together, start writing and finish what you start and you will be a writer. It takes time. It takes effort. You are you are going to write some of the hottest garbage you have ever put on paper. But I guarantee you, the next thing you write will be better. And the next thing is even better than that. And if you do that over and over again, your writing will get really, really good. I look back at the first draft of, of my novel. It is a hot mess. It is just piles of prose that, have no, that go nowhere. It's characters that I introduce and then forget to do anything with. It takes time. It takes all the blood and sweat and tears that you can muster. Uh, but at the end of it, you will have something that you're proud of. And then 10 years later, you are going to hate it more than you've hated anything in your life because you'll have written better. Uh, same thing with working out. And, and this is advice that I need to take more myself is you have to start and you have to follow through. So if you are at a point in your life, it's 2018, we're still in January, you want that New Year's resolution, you got to start, you got to stick with it. And you got to finish and you will be impressed with the results with just those simple steps. That's awesome. And if <laughs> people have heard me say that, God, like a hundred times over the last uh, couple years of the podcast, it's so you just echo pretty much. It's like you're my spirit animal. <laughs> well, I felt that, you know, we've got a good kinship going that our chance meeting at uh, uh, the what was that, the Legion M event? Yes, it was Legion M San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Indeed. Well, I, I feel it was quite fortuitous. I agree. Uh, I, I, I feel it's the universe bringing us together to create this explosion of amazing audio entertainment for everyone's uh, ear holes. Some sweet, sweet eargasms for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, do you have any shout-outs for anybody out there who's, uh, yeah, anybody you want to just give a shout-out? Uh, well, first I gotta thank my wife 
uh, who has brought me so much coffee since I've been sitting here doing this, uh, which is keeping me alive. I basically live on coffee. It's really, I should probably see a doctor. Um, I want to shout out my publisher, Robert Peterson, California Cold Blood. If you guys love sci-fi, if you like uh, um, demons and monsters and uh, a book that is written like an old D&D campaign, then you've got to check out the stuff that he's been putting out uh, with some of our amazing authors, Meg Eden, uh, Beth Woodward. Just, it's fantastic. I'm so proud to be in that stable of authors. Also, you should check out, I believe it's going to launch uh, in a month or two, Buffy Kills Edwards with my fantastic producer, Sherry, uh, Sherry Berg, who is a phenomenal actress. And if you are a producer uh, or casting director, you should hire her twice. And, of course, you guys need to check out When the Skies Fall, Fresh off the presses, it is a phenomenal tour de force of explosions, aliens, and just a little bit of sexy times. Uh, it is book two, so I do recommend reading book one as well. Uh, and if you go to my website, you'll see all the links there. Or it's anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, go to your local bookstores. Really support local bookstores as much as you can. That's important. And also support your local comic bookstores. Absolutely. And guys, guys, comic books are for everybody. You need to be reading comic books because... Some of the best writing is happening in comic books right now. Uh, if you have never read like Mark Wade or Jeff Johns, you've got to read this stuff. It is, it is tight in a way I can't even describe. You think that you know, putting together 300, 400 pages of prose in a novel is good writing? No, 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 no. I want you to hook somebody with three words over the course of five panels. If you can do that, you are a phenomenal writer. That's awesome. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, God. And comics are just so much fun. Although I will, I will say, in addition to my 50 graphic novel goal, I also have a goal of 12, like, act, like, books. So, I'm pretty sure yours are going to be two of those 12. Fantastic. I can also recommend, uh, if you guys haven't read, uh, Sam Sykes, I, I just got into him this year, and Oh my God, he's one of my favorite fantasy authors now. Sam Sykes, he wrote uh, The City Stained Red, um, Mortal Tally, uh, God's Last Breath, and he is phenomenal. You may have heard of him before. Uh, you remember last year there was this viral thing that came out from Twitter, and it was these two authors tweeting back and forth, and one's like, hey, can I ask advice? You know, I've been working at a summer camp, and um, like everybody's dead here. And then the other guy's like, oh, did you kill them? I don't know. How would I know? If, like, and it just goes back and forth, and it's basically a horror movie, you know, like summer camp thriller, but done through Twitter. And it's hilarious, and it's this – they just basically invented a new form of storytelling, the Twitter story. And uh, Chuck Wendig, Sam Sykes, they've been doing this for months and months. They tell different stories, and it's just – it's hilarious. If you, if you don't follow them, they're some of the best Twitter followers out there. That's awesome. Um, I also got to say I just discovered – this Twitter feed, um, pardon me, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. It is a small fiction, at a small fiction. And it's this guy who writes short stories in, like, each tweet is a short story. And they're phenomenal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um... So I, I highly encourage everybody to to check that out as well. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have any shout-outs. Do I have any shout-outs? Um, 
you know, I'm going to just do a shout out to my friends, uh, Mandy, Jess, and Morgan. Um, uh, it was Mandy's birthday last week. Happy birthday, Mandy. Uh, it was my friend Jess came in from out of town. She was in from Florida and she is running a 10 mile race on sand. Like it's a 10 mile beach run. Which sounds like the worst thing in the entire world to me. And then, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, totally awful. Um, and then Morgan is running the Pasadena half with me tomorrow. Um, and by with me, I mean she's starting with me, and then she will be like an hour ahead of me because because she's a runner and I am not. Um, but I'm super excited because after the race. I bought all the latest flavors of Halo, of Halo Top ice cream, and so it is, and anybody who wants to join, we will be (laughs) at my place eating all the Halo Top ice cream. I mean, that's just, that's the best evening you can have right there. I cannot think of anything better. Yeah, my wife and I are kind of obsessed with that stuff. It's, have you tried any of the new flavors? Oh, what new flavors? They have, like, pancakes and waffles. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, lemon cake. Chocolate-covered banana. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other weird ones, but it was really the pancakes and waffles was the only one that really, like, blew my mind. And I haven't tried any of them yet, so maybe the following week we will go through a recap of what how the flavors were. I think that's a smart idea. I mean, really, you could do a whole vlog series just consuming those. Consuming Halo Top ice cream? I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. Um, on that note, um, where can people get a hold of you on social media? And as usual, there will be uh, links in the show notes. Absolutely. So, guys, if you want to follow me on social media, uh, I am trying to be more active. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Officer Mancorn, all one word, M-A-N-K-O-R-N. Uh, if you want the story behind that, you can DM me later. And then if you guys follow my blog, I do a biweekly blog, uh, uh, at adamcornman.com. It's called fighter to writer. And I give out writing advice. I'll, I'll take you through uh, my process. I have interviews with people. That's where I post up a lot of the new, new ideas. And every now and then I'll just, Hey, let's do a short story together. I'll randomize a prompt and then we'll see where we go. But if you, if you have any questions, if you, want to be a writer if you just want to know how i come up with cool explosion sounds that's the best place to get me (laughs) that's awesome man thank you so much for giving me part of your saturday morning i really do appreciate it adam uh i'm glad we uh i'm glad we uh touched base in 2016 and uh i'm looking forward to uh supporting you any way i can in the future fantastic thank you so much for having me on ken this was a blast dude i'm glad you said that i'm glad you had a good time Uh, To everybody out there listening, I hope 2018 is treating you, uh, treating you well. It is what you put into it, so give it your best shot. We will talk to you all next week. Work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media 
at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.